Welcome to Alaskwatch, the show all about Bigfoot in the great state of Alaska. I'm your host, Beans Baxter. So lace up your boots, zip up your coat, and come with me on an adventure as we explore all things cryptid in the last frontier. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning into this special Halloween edition of Alaska Watch. I hope you enjoy it. Um, <clears throat> I'm a little nervous. I've never done anything like this, so uh, I hope it turns out pretty good. I'm uh, really excited to, to record it. Uh, I was hoping to record it a couple of weeks ago and uh, things just um, didn't work out. I've been really busy uh, with my day job, so uh, I finally got time to sit down and record it today. So, uh, you know, let's get it out there. Let's uh, hopefully get it out as soon as we can before Halloween. I hope this enhances your Halloween a little bit. Uh, and if it does, please share it with somebody that you think will enjoy it. Um, I had a lot of time planning and planning it and putting it together. So uh, let's uh, let's get into it. This is the history of Port Chatham, Alaska. And uh, keep in mind, this is told by somebody that's actually been there, uh, which is uh, pretty rare. So here we go. Let's get into it. In 1786, during an expedition to Alaska, the British Royal Navy found themselves in the midst of a terrible storm. Captain Nathaniel Portlock took shelter in the nearest area he could find safe from the storm. That area was a port called Port Chatham. It was a sheltered harbor away from the raging storm that was beating its way through the seas. Captain Portlock was impressed with the area of Port Chatham and thought that it would be worth exploring for natural resources and other valuable goods. A small community was founded in the area that was named after Captain Portlock. After its discovery, the area became of high interest to firms and companies in the area. Fleets were sent up to the area to explore for natural resources and Port Chatham's er the area around Port Chatham was found to be rich in coal, chromite, lumber, game such as bear, moose, and sheep, and fish. The area became a hub for natural resources, with a chromite mine that was operated around World War I that produced tons of chromite for the war effort. Captain Portlock wrote of finding coal on the beach and a coal mine was opened, and thousands of tons of coal was mined from the area as well. The nearby virgin woods provided plenty of lumber, and several small sawmills opened up in the area and began to harvest the lumber that was abundant. Perhaps the most abundant resource of all, though, came from the water. Lots of salmon, halibut, and trout frequented in the area, and soon a cannery was opened. Like many small towns of the time, it had a store and a post office and houses began to spring up around the area, mostly populated with workers from the nearby industries. Most commonly, the residents of the town worked in the local fishery and in the cannery. During their downtime, the residents would head up into the local hills for some hunting of sheep and other game, but soon things began to happen. The place began to get a bad reputation. 
word began to spread, people began to realize something wasn't right in Port Chatham, and the people were sharing the town with something else, perhaps many other things, that just did not want them there. Most of the residents of the town were Aleut natives. They began to whisper of a creature living in the nearby woods. They called the creature Nantanak, and it was described as being a large, hairy, man-like beast. Not a whole lot of vivid descriptions are around of the Nantanak, but from what it's gathered, it's much like the lower 48 Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Sometimes the Nantanak is given shape-shifting powers, and sometimes it's described as being a former human or a person who went wild in the woods, much like the Wendigo. Not a whole lot is known about the Nantanak, or even what the name Nantanak really translates to. But one thing that most people, especially the natives, really agree upon is that the Nantanak is not to be trifled with and is a bad entity in all its forms. Workers from the nearby cannery began to realize that things weren't right. People began to go missing. People began turning up dead and the cannery workers got scared. The cannery workers got together in 1905. They decided they were not going to take this anymore. They abandoned their work and said that they were not going to work anymore while the Nantanak was still about. The owners of the cannery conceded and hired armed guards to stand a vigil around the cannery and the town to keep the Nantanak away. The guards were armed and were placed on 24-hour rotations. This eased the workers' mind, and they slowly began to return back to work. In 1931, local man Andrew Kamluck went into the hills to log some trees. He had a small sawmill operation going, and he was making a little money on the side. Andrew Kamluck went into the woods one day and never returned. When Andrew's body was found, it was found he was killed by a blow to the head when a large piece of machinery that was too heavy for a man to lift had struck him in the back of the head. And although I have not through my research been able to find a death certificate for Andrew Kamluck, I can verify that he did exist. I have found other documentation that there was a man named Andrew Kamluck alive in the time of 1931 when his murder was reported to have happened. In 1948, huge 18-inch tracks were found following moose tracks. Signs of a struggle and moose tracks end and 18-inch tracks continue up the mountain, almost like Something had been stalking the moose, taken it down, and then carried it off to an unknown location for a meal. Not long after the large tracks were found, a local man named Tom Larson walked out to the beach and saw a large, hairy animal crouching on the beach. 
It scared Tom, and he returned to his cabin to get his gun. Tom returned to the area with his gun and saw the creature. Tom said he and the creature stared at each other for quite a while until the creature finally turned and walked away. Tom said he never did know why he didn't shoot the thing, but he knows that he felt complete and utter terror when it looked at him. By 1950, the townspeople had had enough. They were frightened and scared to leave their homes after dark. Scared to go into the woods to hunt for food. The town, it decided, would be abandoned. In 1950, the last resident, the postmaster, finally packed up his belongings and left the left the left the town. Buildings were left to rot. Machinery in the cannery was left to set. Soon erosion and other natural factors would take its toll on the town. As the town sat abandoning, nature took its course. Structures fell down. The cannery slowly began to fall into the sea due to erosion. Large pieces of machinery litter the beach where they've fallen from the nearby cliffs. For all intents and purposes, Port Chatham was a ghost town. Although the town was abandoned, People still occasionally traveled to Port Chatham to take advantage of the hunting and the fishing. In 1968, a goat hunter climbed a large hill in search of his prey. He heard movement in a nearby copse of trees and believed he was about to put some dinner on his table. However, the hunter was surprised when the thing in the bushes began to scream. It was not a goat. creature screamed and bushes and branches began to shake and break. The hunter, never seeing anything like this before, dropped his rifle and ran as fast as he could back to his boat, never to return. Over the years, other hunters and fishermen described hearing unearthly and bizarre vocalizations from the area around Port Chatham. No one knows what makes these sounds, and few are brave enough to venture on shore to look to find out. As the years went on, people began to whisper of the history of Port Chatham and the murders that happened there. Melania Keel was born in Port Chatham in 1934. In a newspaper article, 
She stated her parents, along with the rest of the village, grew weary of being terrorized by the Nantanak. Many of the residents refused to venture into the woods outside the town. Eventually, they abandoned their homes and school, moving to the nearby Nanwalik. In a 1973 article, a retired school teacher was interviewed who had taught in Port Chatham during World War II. She told the cannery workers who had went into the mountains to hunt sheep and bear and never return. The bodies were reportedly found mutilated in a fashion that did not resemble a bear attack. Perhaps even more bizarre than the tales of the Nantanak or the Bigfoot that terrorized Port Chatham are some of the other, other supernatural tales that are around about Port Chatham. There are stories of a dark woman in a dark dress that comes out of the cliffs and walks along the shoreline, her long black dress flowing behind her, scraping along the beach. The lore behind her and why she comes out of the cliffs and what she wants is long lost and never talked about. But the natives still whisper about her at night when they're telling their children scary stories. Also, tales of ghostly children who would be seen sitting on the dock only to disappear when someone turned around to look at them. No one really knows why Port Chatham is haunted and other areas around it are not. Nearby Nanwalk and Port Graham are nice small communities who seem to be rather free of the terrors that inhabit Port Chatham. Was it the mining? The logging? Did it disturb something in the land? We may never know. People still avoid Port Chatham. No one hardly ever goes there unless they have to. To take shelter from a storm. But few ever go on shore that do enter Port Chatham. Perhaps we'll never know what haunts the shores of Port Chatham. Is it an undiscovered North American primate with violent tendencies? Or something dark and sinister? No one knows, and each theory is just as plausible as the next. The only fact that can be proven, without a doubt, is that people are scared of the place. No one wants to go there. And it sets mostly undisturbed and reclaimed by nature. Having visited there, I can tell you I've never seen any place quite like it on Earth. I've never seen trees of that size or brush that thick. It's truly a place that has been untouched by man. And I think that it's odd that a place so abundant in natural resources has just been utterly abandoned and left to go back to nature, something that very rarely occurs in human history. Man has a penchant for taking what, it want, what he wants from the land and having his way with the land, but perhaps Port Chatham is a stronghold or a bastion protected from the greed of man I guess we'll never know one thing's for sure Port Chatham is one of Alaska's greatest treasures and greatest mysteries all right everybody I hope you enjoyed that um, I hope uh, the sound effects added a little bit to it uh, it's my first time really using those so 
not sure how uh, how that's going to work out. Uh, if you enjoyed it, uh, let me know. Uh, share it with your friends. Share it with people you think might like it. Uh, stop by uh, iTunes and uh, give the show a rating. Uh, like us on Facebook at Alaskwatch Facebook page. Uh, you can also like my other Facebook page, the Kenai Bigfoot Research Group. Uh, you can email us at alaskwatch at gmail.com and uh, just uh, drop us a line. Tell us what you thought about the show. Uh, let us know if you have any uh, Alaskan Bigfoot stories and uh, we'll, uh, we'll read it on the air. Also, uh, I want to give a shout out to um, Stephen Major and Extreme Expeditions Northwest. Uh, if you enjoyed the story of uh, Port Chatham, you can actually get a really good look at it in uh, the film In Search of the Port Chatham Hairy Man. Uh, Stephen Major uh, funded an expedition uh, to film a movie over there. Uh, I'm a part of that. You can see us in there, and you can actually get an idea for what it looks like. Uh, if you just go over to Amazon, I don't believe it's on Amazon Prime. I believe you have to, uh, I think it's like four or five bucks to rent it. Um, you know, it'll give you a good idea of uh, what the place looks like. Uh, it's a relatively cheap price to pay uh, to get a look at Port Chatham. Otherwise, you'd have to buy a plane ticket and a boat ride uh, to get over there. So uh, I think uh, considering the, the cost of what it takes uh, to get there, uh, 4 or $5 to rent the movie and get a really good look at the place is uh, a, re- a relative pittance. So uh, go to Amazon and check out the movie. Um, I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, if you enjoy the history, you'll get to see some of the buildings and machinery that was left there. Uh, so uh, it'll be, it's a really nice uh, visual uh, companion to, to this uh, podcast. And also, when you're gearing up for your next uh, expedition in search of cryptids, uh, go over to thecryptidstore.com. I think they're either up and running or will be soon. Uh, you can buy all kinds of gear there for your uh, Bigfooting and cryptids hunting adventures. So uh, check them out at thecryptidstore.com. And also keep an eye out on the Travel Channel. Uh, Later in the month of October, uh, they're going to be premiering a show called The Alaska Triangle. I believe the first episode uh, airs on November 3rd. And uh, I think uh, the 10th episode, perhaps, the last episode, is going to feature myself and Stephen and Adam Davies. That'll be uh, coming out here next month. So keep an eye out for that. And um, I believe that's all I've I've got to promote to you for right now uh we'll be back uh, sometime next month uh with another episode uh maybe um who knows i don't know what the topic's going to be i haven't uh, chosen it yet anyway i hope you guys uh, enjoyed the show uh give us a like and review and uh be safe out there <laughs>